Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Hope you're all doing well. As many of you know, this past week was Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day of the year for Jewish people. And it's called the Day of Atonement. And that's because you atone for your sins and you think about all the times where you missed the mark, where you had been wrong and fallen short over the last year. And the idea is at the end of that day, you get a clean slate moving into the new year. And I'm going to bring this back to Bravo, (laughs) okay? You don't just automatically get that clean slate. You have to work towards it. And the work includes repenting, repentance, uh, you know, atoning for your sins, actually making amends with people, with your loved ones of times that, you know, things that you've done wrong towards them. It includes prayer, and it also includes good deeds or acts of justice. And with those three things, you can then achieve full atonement and move forward with a clean slate. And I think we saw some of that on The Real Housewives of Potomac with Karen and Giselle talking through, you know, in many different ways, their issues with one another and agreeing to move forward. And then we've got the issue of the Real Housewives of New York, where Bravo executives decided, you know what, we're just going to end on a high note, and we're going to move forward and focus on rebuilding the franchise, and we're going to cancel the reunion. But, you know, as with Yom Kippur, you don't get to that clean slate, to that rebuilding, until you've done the repentance part, until you've actually addressed the ways in which things didn't go so great. And I feel like, I don't know, I can't get over the fact that Bravo is putting its head in the sand and saying, you know what, we give up. We can't handle these women on The Real Housewives of New York, these white women in particular. You've got Ramona, Luann, and Sonia, who all pushed the network not to do reunion because they didn't want to have to answer to issues of race. And then once they kind of came around to the idea of doing a reunion, then there were scheduling conflicts with the physical space where it would be done with the crew and the production team. Honestly, I don't give a shit. Bravo, if it wants to make something happen, it will make it happen. Andy Cohen's Watch What Happens Live was overnight made into something that he could do from his home. And we watched and it went fine. And I just feel like I feel really disappointed that Bravo is pulling a fast one on us, trying to make us forget what we saw on the season of The Real Housewives of New York, and Lord knows I didn't enjoy it, but they're just trying to move forward with the rebuilding of the cast and of the franchise, but not acknowledging what happened on this past season and not making us sit in the discomfort and have Ramona and Luann have to, you know explain themselves a bit. And we all know that 
Bravo didn't want to do this because they knew that Ramona and Luann would not be able to explain themselves and would come across looking probably even worse than they did on the season. And so instead of doing it, they're just moving forward. But they're shortcutting, I think. And I think it could potentially come back to bite them. So would love to hear what you guys all think about the Real Housewives of New York not having a reunion for the first time in its 13-season existence as a franchise and where you think we may be going from here. The other big news story that broke this week is that Bethany Frankel said that she was aware of Tom Girardi's money issues many years ago, back in 2017, when her then fiance Dennis mentioned that he had loaned about half a million dollars to Tom Girardi, and that not just him, but many other people within the legal community had outstanding debts with him, and that he was being basically sued by everybody to get their money back. And she said that she had notified both Kyle and Rinna of the situation, and Andy Cohen, and that in November, when Erica filed for divorce, and when the story started to come out about Tom Girardi's money issues, he called Bethany and was like, wow, you really do know it all. I find this um, really interesting, just because I think many of us had wondered how well known was this in the legal community. And I think there'd always been whispers of it. But you know, it's hard to know for sure. And there's so many, you know, insular communities like, you know, the Hollywood community or the political community in DC, where we all sort of know stuff about others. And it just somehow hasn't spilled into the open. And so this must be one of those things. But I find it really interesting and would love to hear from Kyle and Rinna about that because they acted so shocked when everything came out. Of course, my favorite part of this week's episode, just like everyone else, was watching PK and Mauricio at that dinner between them and uh, Dorit and Kyle. I mean, first of all, it was the most real I feel like we've seen either of those women this entire season, just hanging out at each other's houses, PK asking for some tartar sauce or mayonnaise to put on his fish. You know, like that's what you do when you're really close friends with people. You go to their house and you ask for shit, you know, like because he's comfortable and they were just having a good time. And it was great to see PK and Mauricio cut through the bullshit and actually be able to say on camera what they're thinking and how Erica's stories are completely fabricated and, you know, full of lies. There are lies everywhere, according to Mauricio. And they were able to say what I think Dorit and Kyle did not feel comfortable saying. And it'll be really, really interesting watching the reunion because we're seeing them say to the camera things that they won't say to Erica's face. Now, I'm wondering if in the next few weeks, the next few episodes, we start to see Kyle and Dorit maybe being more forthcoming to Erica's face, but but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to count on it. All right, guys, I have such a great episode for you today. I've got Cece on the podcast from the Instagram account at cc.loves.u. 
Oh, and Cece does love everyone, and she goes into the background of what made her create this fan account for Bravo and, you know, some struggles that she's been through. And we both kind of bond over our families immigrating to a new country and that experience and how we're so excited for Jenny on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And, you know, Cece's a ton of fun and we had a lot of laughs. So I think you guys are going to enjoy. As always, if you like the podcast, be sure to rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave a nice review. Love hearing from you all. And be sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, now for a quick break, and then we'll be back with Cece. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everyone. I am here with someone that you all know from Instagram. Cece from the at Cece Loves You page is joining me from the Netherlands. How are you doing, Cece? Hi, I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've been wanting to talk to you for, I think, over a year since Mm -hmm. I started following your page. And I have so many questions like... First of all, how did you get interested in watching Bravo, you know, from the Netherlands? Because you're, you know, you're yeah. from the Netherlands and mm-hmm. you watch on Hayu, right? Yeah. So yes. how did you get into it? I actually got into it when I was living in the States with my ex-boyfriend. And I was just discovering so many new things. And he knew I always wrote about like showbiz related things for uh, magazines in the Netherlands. And he was like, have you ever watched like, Bravo and I was like what the hell is Bravo and I saw it and I was so hooked but then I remembered I actually before when I was still in the Netherlands I actually saw a part of the Real Housewives of Orange County because I recognized Tamara I was like wait I know her and when I was living there it became so much easier to really stalk these shows and I became an addict like like all of us in the community (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing yeah Yeah. what made you start your instagram page which for those of you who aren't familiar cc's Mm -hmm. page is very positive it's cc loves you it's Mm -hmm. you know she never puts anything mean on there even as i try not to to. (laughs) (laughs) even you know when we're so frustrated with some of these people Mm -hmm. on the shows you find a way to sort of lift them up Oh, that's such a nice way of putting it. And for that, thank you. I actually, if for those that haven't followed my journey from like day one, I started this account with, uh, and I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I started this. Uh, do you know the story, by the way? I don't. Oh, okay. Because I was like, wait, maybe you know. So I'm going to, I'm stuttering. Be prepared. Maybe I'll shed a tear. I'll try now too. Uh, I actually started this account together with my father when he was going through chemotherapy and my father always has been such an outdoorsy person. He 
was so vibrant. He was always like, if he wasn't working, he was outside doing things, gardening, whatever. And when he got cancer, at some point, a lot of his activities, he just couldn't do them anymore. So we were looking for things we could do indoor. And he always liked to watch these shows with me. And he was like, you know, because I come from a social media background, like, isn't that something you can pursue? So we worked out on the plan over Christmas in 2019. And we were like, let's just do this together. So we set up our account and our uh, purpose was to like review Bravo shows and recap them from a father and daughter point of view. So we did it. We launched my Instagram uh, the first week. On, I think it was the 8th of January 2020 because that was like the release date of Vanderpump Rules like last season. And that was our favorite show to watch because he always said like I was a combination of all those girls combined together. And then a week later, he passed away. And it was very out of the blue because his chemo was actually working. And then it stopped. So, so in my mind, thank you. And I'm doing my best not to cry. But in my mind, it was like him setting me up for like a new positive thing to focus on when he was like not with us anymore. And he was always like, I think I got my kindness from him. And when we were discussing like the how we w- were going to market our like new journey together, he always like emphasized on the fact like keep it kind. These people are human too. Like over here in Europe, especially in the UK, a lot of like reality stars have committed suicide in the past decade. Like I don't think there's a lot of them in the States, but here it's like a thing. So his like point of view was really like we should treat them like human and really come from that point of view and discuss these shows but like in a fun way and lift people up like you said so we started it together and then I just continued on my own trying to you know make him proud of something we wanted to do together so that's how I started (laughs) that's so beautiful Oh my gosh. And this goes back to my thinking that many people who come to watch The Real Housewives and the different Bravo shows get Mm -hmm. really into it during a time of deep turmoil in their personal lives. 100%. 100%. I think people have said it on Watch What Happens Live when you have those callers calling in. A lot of the people say, like, it helped me through depression or it helped me through a loss or whatever. And I think. Not all of us, but a lot of us are using it as like an escape to escape our own reality. Just watch these weird ass shows with weird ass people doing crazy stuff. You know, it takes your mind off what's going on in your own real life. And it's so fun to watch. And by the way, I'm super long winded like Dorit. I learned a new term being long winded. So whenever I talk too much, just be a Garcelle <laughs> and tell me to shut up. No, oh no, you're oh great. This is perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's so true. I think a lot of people like myself, I had watched the shows, but I hadn't watched mm-hmm. all of the housewives. I was into Vanderpump Rules the most and then also Beverly Hills. And after my mom died was when I really got into it. I was mm-hmm. just, you know, it's hard to function at that time. So hard. And the, one of the few things you can do is watch something that doesn't take too much of your emotional capacity. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes watching drama shows 
you know, like on Netflix with a very intense plot, it was too mm-hmm. much for me to, to pay attention. Like I didn't have mm-hmm. the mental or emotional capacity. And no. these shows I could follow along with, I would laugh at, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you have a specific person on any of these shows that you feel like you've really connected with and mm-hmm. that has reached out to you maybe? Or started following you? I think there are several people that I can really relate to. Uh, for me, most, I think, the girls of Vanderpump Rules. Because I'm in that same age group. Like, you know, most of them are now like mid-30s. I'm 34. And watching how their friendships and relationships evolved, it was literally like seeing my own life on TV as in, I have been in almost the exact same situations. Like, it's great. Like, even the Tom Sandoval, Kristen thing, I have, I was the Stasi in my story, in my scenario. I have had oh, wow. the best friends. Fuck, wait, can I curse on your podcast? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just want to check, like, because wait. I say fuck a lot and bitch a lot. Your but best like, friend slept with your boyfriend? My best friend slept with my fiance. <gasps> yes. And I was with him for almost 11 years. So oh it's not like God. a random relationship. We were together for such a long time. And yeah, that happened. And right under my face, also probably on my couch. <laughs> and it was such a weird like parallel for me because it happened around the same time. And I was like, wait, huh? It's so similar. Like a lot of my things that I have been through are very similar actually to Stasi, Stasi's life, mostly her life. Like when I look back, um, of course, she has been in a bit of hot water with some statements that she made, which I don't agree with, even though I like her as a person. I did not like that part. And that is something I totally don't relate to. But other than that, like also her passion for writing and stuff like that and being with a Jax and being with a Patrick like it's so similar to my story oh wow and that is something I have connected with her on it we have talked about that she was actually the first like quote-unquote bravo liberty that followed me when I legit had under a hundred followers I was like, I'm still a nobody but I mean then I felt like a nobody like I only have a hundred followers Nobody discovered or talked to me because at some point, you know, when your account grows bigger, these Bravo celebrities come to you and they reach out and they talk to you or they at least follow you. At that point, literally nobody was talking to me, none of the bigger Bravo accounts, but for some reason she did. So that was very, yeah, interesting to me. And yeah, I'm still so grateful for that, that she did that because it was a motivation like, okay, you're doing something right, you know. Keep going. (laughs) No, I think that it's hard to remember that these people are human. And I keep going Mm -hmm. back to what your dad was saying. We have to Mm -hmm. remember that these people are human and they have human emotion. And I try to think of that while watching. But also Mm -hmm. sometimes in order to critique, you can't get too invested. But I always try and think, well, where are they coming from with this? Exactly. Why are they behaving this way? You know, not excusing it, right? No. It's not always excusable, but but explaining it. And I mm-hmm. find that the cast members of Vanderpump Rules 
from what I've heard from people's interaction with them, tend to be mm-hmm. quite kind people. They really respond, you know, on social media a lot. I mean, the story about yeah. Sassy is amazing. I've talked to Sheena when I was going through a fertility situation and she gave mm-hmm. advice that I ran by my doctor who then was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. You know, just oh, really wow. and. Yeah, yeah, and she doesn't know me. She has no reason no. to respond. But mm-hmm. I think she truly felt like, oh, if I show my fertility journey on this show, I want to respond to people who reach out about that. A hundred percent. And I also think because I also adore uh, the cast of Shows of Sunset a lot, and they are also very responsive, like on social media. I think when you have people that are more like your age group, okay, Maybe some of the Shaws members are a bit older than mid-30, like the Vanderbilt Rules cast, but they're still like, quote-unquote, young enough to understand how social media works. Not that the Real Housewives don't, but <laughs> I do see a clear difference between uh, Ashley Darby, who is like in her 30s, yes. and a Ramona Singer. And yes. I don't mean to age shame anyone or anything at all. Like, it's amazing that she's in her 60s, but you do see a difference between how she doesn't interact with anyone, literally. She may like a few comments or she may like a few posts, but I know a lot of, because I ask this to every account, like, who are you talking to? Who is responsive? Who's not? She literally doesn't respond to Bravo accounts, like, not even the bigger ones, you know? Oh, interesting. Who do you think is the most responsive? And does that ever feel sometimes like they're doing it just so that you say nice things about them? Um, I don't think any one of them that I talk to are doing it necessarily to get you like on their side. But I do, like I said, Ashley Darby is someone who really is very talkative with her like fans or other Bravo accounts like I'm, I don't know if you ever talk to her, but I'm sure if you'll send her a message, she will always take the time to, you know, reply back. And with her, I also really have the feeling that it's actually her. And with other people, I often have the feeling like I'm talking to your intern or your social media <laughs> manager or whoever. Like, yeah. You know, then I, I say something about a show and then the response I get is so random. I'm like, this is not you, because if you lived through what I saw on TV, you would respond totally different. Like, it's weird. But with her... I genuinely feel like she is so invested in her fans. Like she doesn't follow my account back, but we have talked like a lot. You would think she would follow me back. So that's why I also think like she doesn't do it to be nice or to get you on her side. I genuinely think she doesn't care about that. She is just being her and take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. So, and I'll take it gladly because I I love her. I think she's amazing. Even though she doesn't follow me. I still love her. Well, one of the reasons I ask is because I know Jen Shaw, and we'll get into Salt Lake in a second, Mm -hmm. is someone who's very engaged on social media and I think sometimes reaches out to people in an attempt, Mm -hmm. you know, to get them excited about her and to be on the Shaw squad. And this is even Mm -hmm. before the you know, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City premiered. So even Mm -hmm. before they premiered, I posted something and she like wrote me and I yeah you know have a rather small account and it's like oh why is this real housewife and it actually put me I had my like spidey sense up it's sort of like like why is she doing this it feels weird it doesn't feel like it's she's doing this because she's excited it's like Mm -hmm. she's trying to manufacture support 
I think I actually blocked her a bit out <laughs> due to things that have happened recently. But with her, I think you're definitely right. And I'm shifting between two opinions that I had about her. And I think she is an example for me where I refused to see the red flags that were clearly being slapped in my face. <laughs> um, hard, like very hard. <laughs> and I was running to them like, yes, red flags. I don't know. With her, I genuinely do think, you know, your spidey senses were right. And there's something there that might not be as clean as I thought. So what are your, you said you're of two thoughts on Jensha. Kind of what are those two thoughts? Well, I do think like in her core, I don't think she's a bad person. I genuinely do think she is a good person. I like her. I said this to her as well. Like, I like you. But the more that comes out out of the story, I don't know how I can keep rooting for her to be innocent when it is becoming much clearer that she has done some shit. Yeah. And then I'm like very in like, it feels like being stuck between parents that are getting divorced because I want to like her so badly. I like when we have more people of color on reality shows. So I was really rooting for her. And I thought it's so cool. Someone from her background and heritage can relate to like, oh my God, you know, someone like me is on TV and it's always like a nice thing to see someone that, you know, looks like you or your family members on TV. And I was so rooting for her, but I don't know. When, if all the things that she's being accused of are true, then I'm like, how can you? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make you like the best person out there. Right. And I think, you know, when we watch these shows, sometimes we like focus on who we love and who we stand and then who mm-hmm. we hate. And, and, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, people are complex. And the reason I like these shows is because it shows the full kind of complexity of women mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and what it means to be a fully human woman. And, you know, no one is all good or all bad. No. You know, good 100%. people can do bad things. Bad people can do good things. And I I never like to like categorize people as like good or bad because no, same. then it makes it that you can't, you know, address the facts of a situation, which in her same. case, it's, you know, we'll wait till the trial in March 2022. Mm-hmm. But you know, the the US federal government is going to present some pretty intense facts about Jen exactly. and her business. And they tend not to get it wrong. (laughs) Exactly. And what makes me so frustrated is, like like you said, I don't believe in absolute terms. I don't like to talk like always, never, good, bad, whatever. Because everyone is a complex human being. Everyone has different sides. But to me, there is a difference between a bad person who does good stuff and a good person who does bad stuff. And someone who participates in criminal activities yeah because this is to me beyond being someone who's in her core which i still believe a good person but scamming people out of a lot of money 
I don't, I, it doesn't qualify for me as like a bad thing. It's like a criminal thing. It's much worse than it is. just a bad thing, right? Right, which is, it's legally a criminal thing. I think a exactly. lot of people are talking about Erica in criminal terms, and thus mm-hmm. far, neither her nor Tom have been charged with any crime. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the whole innocent until proven guilty, like that's actually not a, a situation with Erica, right? Because right. she's not charged with anything. So there is exactly. no presumption of innocence. With Jen, you know, we have to say innocent until proven guilty because that's how our criminal justice system works in mm-hmm. the United States. And she's actually charged by our criminal justice system. Exactly. So it's very different than Erica. And I think a lot of people don't seem to to understand the difference. Um, no. You know, and and Erica definitely bad things were going on with Tom, mm-hmm. but until there someone's charged with a crime, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a crime yet. You know exactly. So I think that's a very clear difference. And also with Jen, I yeah, it's really hard because I don't want to put on blast what she said to me privately. So I'm really trying to choose my words carefully. But let's just say she still says that she is innocent and that will the show will tell the story. But I'm like, how can the show tell the story if your trial has not even started yet? So Exactly. Right. And she can't I don't think she can claim to not know what she was doing was illegal because in November of twenty nineteen, I believe at least ten people were charged and pled exactly. guilty for the yeah. same crimes she is being accused of doing. Exactly. So it's not like as this started, she had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> that and is- that's my struggle with her. Like, I feel so torn between the situ between her and her. Like, I feel like Heather. I also mm-hmm. I really relate to Heather a lot, as in. I don't think she's doing the best thing of how she is handling uh, Jen shop, but at the same time, it's probably how I would handle the situation as well. You're getting like, you're so you're getting drunk on her friendship juice. <laughs> yes, like Mary, or did Mary say that? Or no, she said it herself. And that's the thing. Like when you look at it as an outsider, it actually teaches me like that's not being a good friend because first of all, I'm a hundred percent sure, even though Jen told Lisa, I would go to jail for you. When it comes down to it, she will pick herself and she will drop whoever will is facing these situations. I am convinced of that. And that's not me talking bad about Jen, but that's me seeing her for who she is. She's that bitch. Heather is so ride or die that she will literally crawl through the dust for someone else who I'm convinced would drop her if it was the other way around. Yes, yes, exactly. 100%. And that's the issue I have with that friendship is that mm-hmm. Heather seems to be giving everything and coming to it in good faith. And Jen yes. picks and chooses when she wants to be Heather's friend. Exactly. And and I was thinking about making a video about this myself because I had a intense talk with Jen my conclusion about her as a friend is you can be her friend on her terms. Mm-hmm. And as long as you deliver what she expects from you, which is 100% ride or die, even though you're not getting it back, 
then we can be friends. And I think Heather, due to either her personality or her own insecurities, like I want to make it very clear, I I love Heather. Um, but I think that she is drunk on the friendship juice, but doesn't recognize it as being gaslit and manipulated. She, in her mind, genuinely thinks they have a very strong and good friendship where they are equals and they definitely are not. And that hurts for me to, to watch Heather be in that situation because I genuinely think she deserves to be in a friendship where it, she isn't equal and she would get the same ride or die treatment as she so clearly gives others. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of what Jen revealed uh, in the premiere about her marriage troubles and that Sharif tried to actually divorce her? Mm-hmm. Oof, I don't know. The reason she gave, I think, was that she thought that the coach thought he didn't make her happy anymore or something like that. Yeah. Which to me is like, that's if it's true that he wanted to divorce her, that's not the reason. <laughs> I know. That's I mean, not right? the reason. Because she also hasn't changed. Like, if you can stick with this woman for 26 years, I think she said they're married. Her behavior didn't change. Like, she is who she is. You knew that when you married her. Uh, you know, because they, uh, the producers made, like, this uh, uh, little segment when you see, like, her difference times when she was screaming at cast members. Like, that is who she is. You married that. So... I don't believe that all of a sudden you you have these thoughts. I don't believe that. I think that shit started to come out about her legal shit. And maybe he was like, you know, I'm not involved. This can have a really bad effect on me as well. Yeah, right. Maybe I'm saying things that aren't right. But in my mind, I don't believe it's because he was like, oh, I don't make you happy anymore. It, it was so weird to me. I 100% agree, although this all happened well before any legal stuff. So Was it? Yeah. So oh. she was saying, so when we're watching in real time, I think it's like January-ish or February of mm-hmm. 2021. And she's not charged, I think, until the end of March of 2021 or the beginning of April, like some somewhere around but then. Don't you know she knew that it was coming? Yeah, I think they knew it was coming, but he would have known it was coming since November 2019. Because that's when those other people who were her business associates were charged and pled guilty. So I I don't know. He also, um, I'm sure you're aware of this, but is an attorney himself. And he Mm -hmm. practiced for 12 years before becoming a coach. And to me, you can't claim that you're like, he had to have known what her business was, was on the edge of what was legal. (laughs) Right. Like he's a, a, you know, trained attorney, so he can't claim he doesn't understand what's going on. And I'm really curious to see how he reacts to the charges, because anyone who's gone through any sort of legal training knows both one, that the U.S. federal court system is very serious. And number two, that the Southern District of New York is the most serious out of all of the federal district courts. Mm-hmm. So it's either I think we have two options, like either she was lying to him and he didn't know what his wife was doing or he knew and he also knew that it wasn't very 
legal. In my yeah. mind, I genuinely hope that Jen was lying because what we saw from him, he seems like such a caring and sweet guy, a sweet husband. I don't want him. I don't want my bubble to be bursted like he knew and he just let her do her thing. That would be so sad. Yeah. I mean, but then if we talk about those first two minutes of the show when he calls mm-hmm. her and she is turning her mic off and leaving mm-hmm. and running. I mean, mm-hmm. he's giving her a heads up. Yeah. But I think, <laughs> honestly, I think I would do this. Like, if you're married for yeah. such a long time, if that's your partner. Like, even, I don't want to say even if my man murdered someone. But, like, yeah, I don't know. You you never know in the heat of the moment how you will respond when you're in a situation like that. Right. Your instinct right? is like, to if, protect If you're so like I'm thinking of, you know, whoever I'm the closest to in my life, your instinct is like to protect. But also my instinct is to be like, oh, yeah, this is where they are. You know, if if mm. legal people came to me or or, agents and was like, where is your brother? You know, I would be like, oh, he's this is where he is. Yeah, because I know he would never do anything if there's a reason they need to talk to him. Like, he witnessed a crime or whatever it is. Like, it, it, he can talk to them. It, it's a very, I don't know. I If mm-hmm. if you know there's something to hide. Exactly. Then, then yeah. It's shady. Let's, I, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> let's talk very briefly about uh, Mary and her podcast <laughs> and everything. Did you know, did you know she had a podcast I, or did you learn I from did the episode? I did not know. I learned from Same. the episode. I, I was kind of wondering what your reaction is as someone who doesn't live in the U.S., someone who has lived in the U.S. before, but who doesn't live now. I, I know a lot of times when I travel or when I used to travel, um, how we are in religion is very different than how other people talk about and experience religion in other mm-hmm. countries. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of wondering like what your thoughts are on kind of like how she behaved and, and all of that on the podcast. Um, well, I, I, I come from a household of very mixed uh, religions and it was a very big thing between my parents when they got together because they didn't have the same religion. And I was raised to be very open towards everyone, everyone's religion. So I have people in my life from all different backgrounds and religions. And to me, it actually, I know it sounds weird, but it was normal for me to see because okay, I'm like, okay, so yeah this is your thing i understand that for some people it might be very weird Mm -hmm. but i'm like this is your reality and yeah it's not something i would choose and it's not something that i would go to church for but it works for you yeah no i just thought when she um cut off the other man who was like doing his prayer Mm -hmm. that was so intense i was like this guy was in the middle of something that was yeah and i was like i can't believe she cut him off and then was like this is how you pray <laughs> like oh my god i thought so much about being pentecostal and listeners yeah. correct me if i'm wrong cuz i know like only two people who are pentecostal but mm-hmm. i thought it's about like feeling the lord within mm-hmm. you and being able to express it and mm-hmm. you know like when people speak in yeah. tongues you're supposed to like feel it and express it and there's no wrong way to no, you can't be too loud or too, yeah. you know, expressive. 
I think she is very much. Um, I don't want to use the word controlling, but I don't know how. how <laughs> yes, I don't know that's how the else word. To describe it. No, that's not such a nice word. And I actually really like Mary. I think she just because she is the first lady of her church, and she also mentioned like because of COVID that she couldn't go to church and she really missed out on that feeling and the energy she would get from being the first lady. I think in that moment, she really felt her inner first lady come out and be like, no, 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 no. That's not how we do. (laughs) This is how we do it. Do I think it's wrong to interrupt someone when they're praying or are midst like saying a prayer out loud hundred percent, but at the same time, I think it's so Mary. I think this is exactly who she is. Yeah. I appreciate how authentic she is. She's as a super person. authentic. And I really yeah. liked when she said, well, I never fit in. I was never liked. And so uh, the I only time cried. I really felt purpose was like I was born yeah. for God and to spread the gospel. And it made me understand her, I think, yeah. a little bit in a way that yeah. I never fully did before. Same, same. And I also have to say, I had also a little altercation with Mary online where she actually dm'd me and i was so surprised because she has blocked several of my friends but with me she doesn't follow me but she was open to the conversation and she literally said she thought i was making fun of her and i absolutely was not and after i saw this scene it made so much sense to me like she is super sensitive towards people saying stuff about her online because that is something she had been dealing with the entire time and what i posted was literally nothing like she had a um, instagram live with donald who was doing like bravo tv social media i think it was with wendy and meredith i don't know with some other people it was like a group chat and she was trying to log into the instagram live session but she was live herself so i was trying to explain to her in the comments of her chat mary go offline they have to invite you. But she was like streaming herself and trying to invite others. I was like, no, Mary, don't. Very relatable. So, I mean. And so funny. I mean, yeah. I'm not good with that stuff either. And she at some point was singing like, I don't know what I'm doing. It was so fun. It was like gold content. And I reposted that. And I said something along the lines like, we all are like uh, sometimes messy or confused with social media. It wasn't even a nasty thing. But she messaged me like, why are you making fun of me and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, I'm literally nuts because I'm comparing myself to you. Like we're all that person at some point when you don't understand how to do. Like before we started our Zoom, I couldn't log in. You know, we all <laughs> we all are on the struggle bus sometimes. But she was so sensitive. And then I thought like, wow, even this, which isn't anything mean at all. If that triggers you so much, then I cannot even imagine how all those other grandpa fucking comments affect you. And when I saw that scene, it made sense because I think she is like someone who has a past of maybe even bullying and, you know, not fitting in and maybe people picked on her and stuff. And then it reminded me like, okay, you started this account because you want the approach of reality stars are people too. And to me, this was such a beautiful example of like, yeah. They see your comments. They see your content. You know, some can laugh it off. Some can't. Yeah. Like she, like her. No, I think that's like such an important 
I don't know, an important lesson to realize that when you're posting things, and especially if you tag these people, they do see it and they're coming at it from different points of view. And I think a lot of us don't understand Mary. And so that's, Mm -hmm. we're like, we laugh because we don't understand like her quirkiness, Mm -hmm. but she's very sensitive. And I I appreciate, you know, I appreciate seeing more of her on this. I really do. I'm so excited to learn more about her. I'm also so excited about Jenny, the new housewife. Ah, there is so much about her that I relate to, like from my family in particular. Mm -hmm. Like when Mm -hmm. she, so she is a Vietnamese refugee. She lived in a Thai refugee camp for three years. And when she finally got to the US, she was seven, but her parents, um, they fudged the paperwork and they said mm-hmm. that she was five so that she could enter kindergarten, which is a brilliant thing to do because yeah. then she's entering at the same time as her peers and can kind of go through schooling without, mm-hmm. you know, kind of being able to start at the beginning. And yeah. we had something like that in my family. Um, oh my God, same, by the way. What? Tell your story. For, I swear <laughs> to God. I swear, with my mom, I swear to all God, I want to like, hear your story. All first. the immigrants, especially if you come from a really Same. rough background, you're yeah. used to fudging paperwork. You're used to doing whatever yeah. you need to do to survive. To and get in. it's yeah. not even a moral or ethical question. It's like, this no. is what I need to do to survive. So my grandfather, when he came to the U.S., it was a year after my father had immigrated in 1979. And my grandfather mm-hmm. came and he was 63 And Mm -hmm. that's two years away from qualifying for Medicare, which is Mm -hmm. um, basically free health care for older people and Social Security, which gives you a very, you know, small amount of of money per month to be Mm -hmm. able to survive as an older person and keep people um, out of poverty. And my grandmother, you know, was like P65. I love it. And um, so when he was, you know, in his later years, like with the year he died, they thought he was 97. So anytime Mm -hmm. there was any medical thing, they like wanted him to go to the hospital. They didn't want it to Mm -hmm. be in urgent care because he's so old, you know, but he would be 95. The whole thing was crazy. When my mom, who grew up in the United States and is a very big, was a very big rule follower, Uh when she figured this out, I mean, she was horrified horrified but my dad is like this is how russians Mm -hmm. are like this is how we survived the soviet union and this is how we figured out how to navigate the united states yeah um so when my grandfather turned 90 it was like a secret (laughs) party and the only friends that were invited were those that Mm -hmm. knew that he (laughs) oh you know what it was a three-year difference actually so they thought yeah. he was 98, but he was really 95. Um, uh, yeah, so he was 62. Anyways, what's yeah. your family story? It's my mom's story. And it's also, it's a two-year thing as well. She got, uh, my like my family, we don't come from a rich background at all. Like all immigrants, you start from the bottom. And even yeah. though if you have your papers, even if you are a doctor in your homeland, You literally are scrubbing toilets in the country you're moving to because your papers are not valid. You don't speak the language. And I think like a lot of immigrants can relate to that. 
But with my mom, she was actually accepted to a boarding school, which was a very fancy boarding school. And it was like, how do you say that, with a scholarship. So everything was paid for. So they really wanted my mom to have that opportunity. But you had to be 12 years old, at least, to, you know, sleep at that school and stuff. And she was 10. So my grandpa literally went to the village. I don't know how it works in these things. It was very like... My mom doesn't come from a big city at all. Went to the village like, hey, we need to change this in her papers because she wants to attend that school. So they changed it and she attended the school back in her home country. And when she moved to Holland, she still had has that in her passport. So she is born in 62, but um, in her passport, it says 1960. <laughs> so she's also two years older. So every time when there's a birthday or with her work, it's always so awkward because actually one time I was not scolded, but like made fun of like, I sent flowers to her work for her 58th birthday. And they were like, um, she's not 58. Oh my God, how embarrassing. You don't know how old your mom is. And I'm like, oh shit, focus. Because for the outside world, she has a different age than what we know her to be, you know, so But yeah, whenever you're an immigrant or whatever, you have to deal with stuff like that, you know, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do to be part of society and get the same opportunities that other people get. Yeah, It's just such a different mindset, you know. Mm -hmm. What was your mother's home country? Indonesia. Okay. Yeah. So cool. And my father is Turkey. So born and raised between two very different yeah. religions and backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my parents um, both had the same religion and background, mm-hmm. but my mom's family, you know, left in the 1920s from oh, wow. Eastern Europe. Russia. And my dad yeah. um, left, you know, in 1979. So there oh, is wow. a massive cultural difference in that mm-hmm. my dad wasn't raised actively Jewish because it was illegal. Mm-hmm. So he knew he was Jewish, but he didn't ever went to synagogue. He didn't know Hebrew, all that stuff, which was like very important to my mom's family. Of course. Was it uh, still illegal in, was he in Russia back then or? Yeah, it was. Because I actually never knew that I, of course, after the Holocaust had such a huge impact on uh, Europe. I thought like after the war ended, things would get back to normal. But when you say he lived in Russia in the 70s, if it was still illegal to practice your Jewish religion, that actually shocks me a bit. Yeah, That's horrible. So it was different, obviously, in Germany and Poland. But, yeah. you know, both like Ukraine, Belarus, all of that was part of Russia. And my dad grew up in Moscow. And because it was actively communist, they didn't want people to be religious because they didn't want anything to compete with the government as being the thing that you look to for everything. So even they would have New Year's trees, and even the star at the top of the tree, they would have a red star to symbolize communism. Um, And they didn't want God to compete with Stalin. Mm -hmm. And and Jews in particular, there's just a lot of anti-Semitism. And so Mm -hmm. they had quotas where... Jew, there could only be so many Jews at this school, or Jews couldn't oh have my these God. professions. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, my dad wasn't able to practice the profession that he, you know, qualified for on his exams. Wow. Um, but then when he came that to the U.S., he retook, um, he yeah. got his master's degree again to be able to practice engineering in the U.S. Wow. That's so amazing. And 
those stories are so inspirational to me because I know a lot of people who came to a different country as an immigrant, even though they had the best papers and diplomas and whatever. And you really have to start at the bottom. And it can be so demotivating to do all of that shit again, spend all of those years studying the same shit or getting your papers and that your dad actually managed to do that. That's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, applause for that. Yeah, I know. He also had a lot of help. So there were a lot of organizations that helped uh, Jewish refugees specifically from the Soviet Union to get out, to get situated, to have housing and jobs. So within 10 days of landing in the U.S., he had a job offer. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. So that was pretty amazing. So And I always mention the organization that helped, which was called Hyas, Hyas Refugees. Okay. Um, so they helped, mm-hmm, stood for like. Are the, they still around? Yes. And so oh. it used to be primarily focusing on Jewish refugees because mm-hmm. there were so many. But mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, as many Jews got out of countries they needed to get out of, they kind of refocused on any refugees. They expanded their mandate. Oh, wow. So they work a lot now with what's going Afghanistan refugees, refugees from Central American countries trying to come to the yeah. U.S. So it's, That's it's amazing. pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a beautiful... I've learned so much. It's so funny, <laughs> but that's so funny, Mandy, because often when you... Uh, like, Bravo really brings people together, but yes. you also discuss topics that you might... Like, who thought talking about Mary's church would bring us to our immigrant <laughs> parents right? and learn me, you teaching me so much about the Soviet Union and Russia and being Jewish in the 70s, coming to America, an organization that's still out there and now is helping... Afghanistan refugees and it all comes from fucking talking about Bravo, Bravo. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I've learned so much also about the American experience that other people have you know talking mm-hmm. to my friends who are black who are Muslim you know who just mm-hmm. have a different experience than my experience and it's so interesting and I think important to learn about it and I love seeing it reflected in these shows and I think no show reflects it better than the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City because they Mm -hmm. have people of different backgrounds and I love that they have Meredith who's not a very active Jew but her and Seth had a Shabbat dinner and invited Lisa's family and you know they braided the challah and I was like oh my god no you go over under over under like with with the braiding with you know they were trying to figure out how to do it Um, but it's just beautiful you know and and now Jenny's there and she's Catholic you know, she converted yeah. to Catholicism. You've got Jen, who's Muslim. You've got, you know, Mormons, ex-Mormons, you know, all of that. Pentecostal church, first lady. Like, yeah. there's so Literally much there. Yes. And there's so much there. I, I hope we get to keep seeing these, like, cultural backgrounds of them. Mm-hmm. And especially Jenny, because I don't think we've ever had someone who is a refugee in particular. Yeah. Got that refugee designation. Same. I think because I'm trying to figure out going through all the franchises, but I really think she's the first and her story is so interesting. Like I have a lot of Asian friends, I think because I grew up, I spent like almost a decade living in Indonesia, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, like stuff like that. Majority of my friends are Asian. And in that world, you hear a lot of these stories, but I know like for the broader sense of it, like the average, maybe Bravo viewer, like these stories can be maybe very new and surprising. 
and it can make you maybe more appreciative like uh, Lisa also told her son like that's what being poor was literally being stuck under a boat on an ocean not knowing if you're going to survive this trip like there are so many things in the world that you might not have knowledge about and again such a silly little show as the housewives also has these beautiful inspirational educational serious stories you know yeah and i think that's amazing and i'm so excited for jenny like i haven't i don't know much about her yet but i'm so excited to learn more about her she seems like such a cool fit for the show a hundred percent i'm i'm so excited um and we haven't had a vietnamese housewife you know no, no, right? I'm trying to think. Did we have a Vietnamese housewife? Or? No, just Chinese, because Crystal's family is Chinese. Tiffany Moon's family moved from China. Um, and so this is something Where, different. I know Jules wasn't Vietnamese, but it was Jules all Japanese, right? Oh, I Japanese and Jewish, I think. Yeah. I think, something I don't, like that. I don't know where her family was from in Asia. Yeah. I just know she was like, I'm Asian and Jewish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh I God. think I know for sure. She is not Vietnamese. I think it was Japanese. Yeah, so the first Vietnamese housewife, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's Love so that. cool. Um, okay, before we move on to uh, Potomac, just wanted mm-hmm. to get your thoughts on the Brooks of it all and Meredith oh, and Lisa's Jesus friendship. Christ. So what do you oh. think of Lisa maintaining her friendship with Jen, even though Jen has liked and re <sighs> posted social media posts that are pretty um, unkind about uh, Meredith's mm-hmm. son, Brooks. This is such a hard thing for me because I'm, I'm a Scorpio. So I'm very black and white. I'm either your best friend or like, please don't be my enemy vibe. Like Taylor said, I, <laughs> I think her loyalty definitely should be with Meredith, a girl she knows for almost a decade or over a decade who has been such a good friend and also a friend of the family. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm like, does she have something on Lisa? Like, why is Lisa right. so... I'm wondering I, I that don't too, because it. in the promo or in the first, yeah, in the promo they ask, um, Jenny asks Lisa, do you have business with Jen? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is why are you exactly. so tied up in this? And and yeah. even if you're friends with someone, you should be able to call out their bad behavior, right? So 100%. You can be yeah. friends with Jen and say, it's not cool that you like these mm-hmm. things. And you can say, Brooks has not come out about anything with his sexuality. So you, assuming he's on Grinder, assuming he's never seen a vagina, assuming he's gay, and then like, you know, putting that out into the universe with the amount of followers that you have mm-hmm. is not a good thing. It's not a nice thing to do to, no, you know. Definitely not. I don't know. I, I'm really like, if that, if I was like in a triangle friendship like that, I would definitely call someone out on their bad behavior. It would definitely depend on the situation if I break off a friendship. To be honest, having a Twitter war with someone who is of age, like I think he's 20 or 21, it would not be a reason for me to stop being friends or tell my friend, like, I don't want you to be a friend with them. But I personally would keep my distance because I don't, I would not accept that behavior. Like 
even if Brooks has said shit about uh, Jen's vagina, because at some point she was like, uh, you see it like uh, in the trailer or whatever, like I had to protect my vagina. No, bitch. It's, first of all, that's a weird thing to say. Second of all, you're a woman of almost 50. This is still a child. Like you're 20, you're a kid. Like, why do you feel the need to keep feeding that? It's weird. Yeah, you're not you're very immature now. I understand the argument that like Brooks was on the show and getting paid by the show because he did confessionals, I think. So like that argument, oh, he's on the show. So he's fair game. And I think Mm -hmm. it's like one thing is just like fair game to go after Mm -hmm. someone. But how you go after them, like what exactly to focus on is you've been like it's he's like a rude little hungry you know, thirsty asshole. Just say twat instead of yeah. twink. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, hungry little twat. Like, I understand. Like you say, he's part of the show. He chooses to be involved. Mm-hmm. It's not like she has to roll over and not say anything. But your approach, again, you're almost 50. You're not 16. It, I thought her approach of handling the situation was very inappropriate and it was weird to me and it does say to me something about her maturity level also how she handles her friendships and stuff she it, uh, to me and this might sound a bit too psychological whatever it really feels like something happened in her life at some point when she was a teenager herself that made her stuck in some kind of behavior ways like she's still there like there is some point yes. of her that didn't really develop yes i feel that way about leah on New Same. York. Yeah, I Same. feel like she is a perpetual teenager and behaves as such. And when we yeah. expect her to act like a grown-ass adult and she doesn't, it's frustrating. But she's mentally just not gotten there. And I feel like no. Jen, even her views on friendships, her views on everything yeah. are just very um, immature. High school. Yeah, yeah, I think very high school. And I think that is why she's going head to head with Brooks. And I'm like, no, <laughs> he can be your son. Like he can even be your grandchild if you are a teen <laughs> mom. Like, don't go there. It's weird. Like, don't. I not totally in that way. Agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's touch briefly on Potomac and Beverly Hills. So for Potomac, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, yeah. do you think that Karen and Giselle's starting over? agreement to have a clean slate will last no (laughs) (laughs) no no no. oh my gosh i um so another question is what were your thoughts on wendy and eddie's conversation with their boys about the police i legit cannot without crying like we're both not black people like even though we might be immigrants or come from an immigrant background we're not black So even how much you try, you can never fully understand what it's like to be a black person, especially in America. The thought that black parents should have these conversations with their kids as being a part of their upbringing is so mind-blowing to me that that is the reality that we live in. Mm-hmm. And I literally can cry thinking about it because Wendy said something about, I don't know her exact words. I posted about it, but like, it's kind of like breaking their innocence because yes. for a child, you think, you know, a thief is a bad person. A cop is a good person. 
you don't you think they do think in absolute terms like good and bad and a cop represents someone that's there to protect you and at that age you don't think about but wait am i i i also wonder are you aware of the color of your skin as a child you know sometimes you see those uh, and i can cry about i'm so emotional i can cry about that too you see those clips when a black and a white child have the same color t-shirt on and they're like mommy look we look exactly the same and they don't see their the color of their skin they're like we're the same right right so race is a social construct well, exactly. skin color, you know, someone may be darker, someone may be lighter. The idea that you are different because of that is completely human. Exactly. This is like made up by humans. And so exactly. it's, we're socialized that way, but you're not born yeah. thinking that way. No. So when you have to have that conversation at a very early age, like basically saying because you're different because of the color of your skin, you might be targeted by the police or whatever it is. Like, it's so mind-blowing and hurtful and painful to watch, but I think it was done so beautifully. And I think it was the first time we had that. Like, there have been a few conversations, like, with... Do you watch Family Karma? Yes. When, uh, I think it was... Um, like, with a conversation with the Nana about being gay and stuff like that was so powerful to me. And this also like, is in the same category category for me, like learning about a cultural or uh, ethnic, Ethnic. can you say that? Mm -hmm. Like the, about, you know, people that are black that are going through uh, learning about their struggles and issues in a conversation. It's so powerful to watch. I think it was one of the most moving things I've seen on television. 100%. Watching, yeah, and watching these parents navigate how to talk to their child in an age-appropriate way about an mm-hmm. adult topic. Exactly. You know, I work in child health policy, and and one of the mm-hmm. things we know about child development is there is an age-appropriate way to talk to children about just about anything. You know, yeah. and, and navigating. Okay, this is what you say when it's an eight-year-old. This is what you say when it's a two-year-old. You know. And watching them do that was just so masterful. And oh, I was just so moved by them choosing to have to use their airtime and, and those family scenes that you have, you know, to make it about that. And, exactly. you know, Wendy saying, okay, we've had enough focus on my marriage and the non-existent cheating. Let's refocus on something that I want to put out into, into the world. Yeah. Um, which, you know, props to her because I was so a huge much. Wendy fan last year. Mm-hmm. I was like, Wendy's my favorite housewife. I love this four degree mm-hmm. thing. I love how proud she is of her <laughs> education. And then yeah. this year she came in with just talking differently. Like she wasn't mm-hmm. focused on her education or her. It was like, oh, I want to make candles and check out my boobs and butt. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you can do all of those things, but I'm not mm-hmm. hearing the types of things that I heard last yeah. season. So like, where yeah. did that go? Are they just, are you, it made me think she was trying to perform for the cameras and what mm-hmm. she thought the audience wanted out of her as a housewife. And it made me be like, come on, no, just be yourself. But this, yeah. this is exactly who she is. And yeah, you know, uh, it was a very moving, moving thing. I also mm-hmm. really enjoyed the scene between Candace and Chris fighting and then making up because 
it i don't know chris is a masterful arguer um, 100% when he's able to explain this is how it feels to me you yeah. know it that you don't appreciate my stuff as much as mm-hmm. your stuff and just because i can't make it somewhere doesn't mean i don't want to go well exactly yeah he's so good at communicating it was yeah you know and she had nothing else to do but be like i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i know it was so i don't know it was so awkward and weird but that's also someone i think due to her very complex relationship with her mother Mm -hmm. where in that dynamic she will literally always be the child of course we're always your parents children but she'll always be the child. She also brings that same air to her other relationships. So at some point, talking yes. with Chris, it almost didn't feel equal, but l- like not in a bad way because he doesn't put her in that position. She puts herself like there, where you almost have to have someone explain everything so literal to you for you to understand that he's not coming from a bad place. You're. Yeah really not understanding and reading the situation right. A hundred percent. You're so right. She always acts like the child in a parent-child mm-hmm. relationship, even in yeah. situations where it is among equals, like with her husband exactly. or with her friends. Yeah. That's so interesting. What What were your thoughts on how she responded to Ashley saying, you're body shaming me? I think her exact wording was, you body shame yourself with your wide-ass face and big-ass forehead. It really is a perfect example of me saying that she acts like a child. Because that was so wrong on so many levels. Like, I don't even... I don't even want to waste my words on it. Like, body shaming is a very sensitive topic for me as well. It was body shaming. It's ridiculous to say to someone... You're body shaming yourself by being exactly who you are. Does Ashley have a maybe a bigger forehead than the average person? Okay, yeah. But whatever, you know, we all have our features. I have a big nose. If someone would say that to me, I wouldn't like it either. Like, what are you doing? And then especially commenting on the postpartum body. Like, what's wrong with you? That's such a low blow. It's so, again, weird to me. You're acting like a child shut the fuck up yeah i think by the way i'm so angry sorry to interrupt but i have to say this i'm so angry because last year i took a lot of heat in the canvas monique thing saying uh, i don't care what someone says or does you don't physically attack someone yes 100 percent. i i feel the same way yes maybe candace was wrong for saying certain things but it was her words it wasn't her touching Monique you touched her so I took so much heat for her and I was like please let this be a redemption thing even though I don't think she had she needed a redemption season because I don't I until this day Mandy I don't understand why people were team Monique and not singing up for Candace more but I really went into this season like I want to see you shine do your singing shit be a happy whatever you want to be and then you do this. And I'm like, I'm rooting for you so hard, <laughs> but you're making it so difficult because this is not okay. I know. It's I not- feel so similarly. With the Monique Candace thing, I think mm-hmm. it's important to note that, you know, 
I don't think anyone deserves to be physically hurt, regardless mm-hmm. of how big of a brat they are, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, you can say the most ridiculous stuff and so offensive and you are wrong for saying those things, but the reaction mm-hmm. to that cannot be physical violence. And no. so this is a perfect example. Like she doesn't have to have a redemption season. Even people who, you know, behave in a way that we don't appreciate or don't, mm-hmm. you know, find becoming of a of a adult human. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that they deserve to get beat up. And no. and actually a really good explanation of that whole thing is um my friend Taria has a podcast, What Else Is Going Love On? Her. Oh, is incredible. And she yes. has Ray Sani on and they do like a three hour podcast that took me like a week mm-hmm. to listen to the whole thing. It was incredible. And they talk a lot about how um, some black women f- feel about Candace and why. And a lot of it has to do with her socioeconomic status, how her mom pays for things mm-hmm. that she sort of reminds them of the rich bitch that they wanted to beat up in high school is how Ray yeah. describes it. And so mm-hmm. it's like in Monique going after Candace, it was like them feeling that they, I don't know, like getting it out from whatever they felt from yeah. childhood about that spoiled mm-hmm. rich girl. But yeah. I think it's it's very complex, but Monique definitely tried to make people think what they saw wasn't what they saw. Exactly. And that I don't appreciate. So. No. Like, I would never touch that if, you know, I'm, again, I'm not black and I cannot um, fully understand how it is for some black women to watch that. So I would never say, oh, that's wrong or right. That though, That's their feelings. And I can totally understand that point of view when you say it like that. Um, then, of course, I can relate to their story as well. But in the end... Yeah, it happened, and I just hope that this would be... We know Monique's off the show now, and maybe Candace could be a bit (laughs) different and nicer, but yeah, here we are. 100% agree (laughs) with you. Um, Okay, let's end with a little bit on Beverly Hills. So Mm -hmm. this wild (laughs) story that Erica tells Kyle about... The burglar entered their home. Tom confronted the burglar. Apparently, the Pasadena police called her. Mm-hmm. Then um, her she couldn't go, so she sent her son, who lives somewhere where there is snow. And when he was on his way driving back, the car rolled five times. Yeah. This is insane. And this is the first time I heard Kyle um, not question to Erica's face, but question the confessionals her story Mm -hmm. and you know the confessionals are filmed after um Mm -hmm. a lot of the time so i'm wondering what happened that made kyle start questioning because i know it was this scene but it was she basically says when erica withholds information it makes it difficult to support her and i wonder yeah i don't know what are your thoughts about the whole story i think when they were filming they were filming as old those news articles came out right and Mm -hmm. now it's all out there and we're processing the information and maybe kyle now has a more full circle like how do you say that pile of information everything that has been said and she can really go through everything and make her make up her own mind but i also think and the kyle stands will come for me because i really do like kyle i think she even we even had an um, interaction like last year somewhere where she said something like, 
he just don't like me. And I'm like, bitch, I live for you. But I do think she plays off a lot on how people are perceived. Now, when she sees that a lot of people are not really much team Erica, then she tends to like go that way as well. Like be more on our side in and more vocal on, yeah, that was wrong. Because why haven't we seen that during the show? Like even if you want to support your friend, nobody, I think, except Garcelle said, you know, just sum up everything you're being accused of and just say, if it's true, then you're a shitty person or this, that, and that. But it's like there wasn't any acknowledgement or whatsoever about what is clearly happening and has happened to these victims. And again, it's a very sensitive topic to me again because these people are from Indonesia, which mm-hmm. part of my heritage lies. So, yeah. And I know how poverty can be there, especially... Like most of the Americans maybe know like the islands like Bali, which are like a very touristic, beautiful island of the gods, whatever. But you have these smaller Indonesia is not a, it's like not a country. It's like more than a thousand islands combined. Mm-hmm. And that is like the Republic of Indonesia. And most of those islands are extremely poor. So like PK said, like 50 grand can be literally life changing for these people. And instead of going to them, it went to glam squads. Yeah, no, uh, 100%. I will say that Kyle, I think, is someone that's willing to stand up against what people think sometimes, because she has always Mm -hmm. been with Teddy and saying how great Teddy is and how Teddy is one of her best (laughs) friends. And the viewers don't like Teddy. And she maintains her friendship with Teddy and Teddy prominent on social media and everything, regardless of what the viewers say. But isn't it more off the show? I think in general, like when she's a friend, she stays friends with people. Like I think there's a reason why some of the former housewives always still come to her parties is because she maintains friendships with them. But I think what's hard for us as the audience to to kind of process is that she's saying to Sutton, you got to be open and honest. Mm-hmm. And Sutton is being open and honest. Maybe the way she says it is different to Erica's face than she says to Kyle, but we all say things differently to someone's face. Mm-hmm. But she's still saying the same stuff. And then Kyle isn't saying it to Erica's face. She's having questions, yeah. but they're all in her confessionals or in a separate scene with her, mm-hmm. Dorit, PK, and Mauricio. And thank God for PK and Mauricio, because <laughs> one of the things that never made sense was that whole, like, he was in the car and he was ejected and he had a head injury, but he also had an ankle. And then when she said, oh, don't okay. operate, that's an insane thing. Like, that is the most un likely scenario out of all of the mm-hmm. scenarios she has shared yeah like when mauricio said if you have a loved one that has been in an accident and a doctor says we need to operate who yeah. says no and who says no the bitch that wants all the money <laughs> oh no i'm just kidding it doesn't make sense like if that's your loved one and a doctor can operate to save them or whatever they need to do you're not gonna say take his ankle <laughs> it's weird the whole it and it's also not sense. an either or like medical professionals know what order to operate in they exactly. triage 
So if there's exactly. a brain bleed, they handle that. You can have a broken ankle and a brain bleed. They'll know what order to do stuff in. You know, exactly. it's not an either or. So the whole thing um, was such a story filled with more holes than that shirt she wore the other day to Kathy's oh, party. Oh, God, that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> the shirt was over $900 for holes. Was it? Yeah. <gasps> it was so ugly. It was. No, really, like... even if it was like ten dollars i would not even it looked like it was ten dollars it was just why would you wow i'm so i don't know what to say the thing with erica (laughs) is it's not like an innocent or guilty right none of that really matters what matters is that she financially benefited from ripping off people and not just the widows and orphans and everything but creditors too um which is how (laughs) it ended up coming to bite them in the back because widows and orphans have difficult time getting Mm -hmm. you know legal representation but those creditors they will come for their money they will come for your and and so she she led a lifestyle that was not based on work and and money that she made Mm -hmm. and um, whether or not she knew is kind of irrelevant at the point. Mm-hmm. She knows now, and she has not mm-hmm. shown that she is sorry for nope. the way that that happened, and she has not shown any sense of trying to right the wrong. Instead, exactly. she is using a legal strategy to try and protect whatever assets she still has and not making the argument that she doesn't have to repay anything. Yeah. And and so that's what I think now Crystal and Kyle and Dorit are probably putting together in their head. You know, yeah. they're seeing – we didn't know what her legal strategy was back then. She hadn't filed any motions. Mm-hmm. Now we know what she's doing. So I think it'll all come out in the reunion, how they feel. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. Any thoughts on Garcelle kind of feeling like an outsider? at all in the group i think that's such a sad and justified thought because i i'm gonna say something that might not be the case for garcelle but that's where my mind as a person of color immediately goes to i think she has been in a lot of situations with a bunch of white women where she was excluded and that it triggers her even in moments where she might not be excluded, that her mind automatically goes there, like, I'm not part of the gang. And I'm saying that not, I don't know this about Garcelle, I'm just speaking out of my own experiences, what I have experienced in very Caucasian groups. I, you know, I come from a very white town. In my school, I uh, went, I had like the highest form of education, and I was the only person of color there with my sister. Because, you know, as the first generation of immigrants, our generation didn't speak the Dutch language well. So for some reason, we we, we did. And so I can relate to that feeling. I do think that they have a click with the five of them, like including Teddy. And I do think that Garcelle is not part of them, 100%. I'm not saying it, it is because she's black, because Sutton is also not part of that gang. As Sutton is white. So I genuinely don't think that it's a race thing at all. But she's definitely not part of like the quote unquote in crowd. She's not. And if they want to say that she is, then they're not. You can, as a viewer, you can clearly see it. I don't know why, but she's not there with them. 
And I felt like at her dinner that she had where she had all the Haitian foods, mm-hmm. that the only one that showed like genuine excitement about it was Crystal. Mm-hmm. Someone who else has like has been showing her ethnic foods mm-hmm. on the show. So yeah. I feel like, I don't know, she's sharing something with them that's so meaningful to her. And seeing Lisa Rinna talk about like, I don't like fish or, you know, I ate mm-hmm. that food as if it was something... I don't know. It 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 not yeah. sit right. With I understand me. your point of view, and I I really understand. But from my side, I was actually impressed with Lisa in the sense that, okay, it is very ridiculous to me that you don't. You know, how do you say that? It's ridiculous to me that these type of foods are so unfamiliar to you. Mm-hmm. Like, hello, it's fish. Even if you're not coming from a fish household, bitch. You live in LA the majority of your life. I'm sure they have fish. But she still, in my opinion, did her best. And she ate everything. You're right. Or tried everything, right? And I think it was really her way of, in her own way, like I'm making an effort. That's Even if it's maybe not a big effort. Like for the viewer, it's like, bitch, what are you doing? It's normal, just whatever. And Crystal was the only one who really showed interest. But I think in her mind, in her world, she really did her best. Yeah. I also think these women have such big issues with food more than any of the other Housewives franchises Mm -hmm. and what they allow themselves to eat and not eat. And they talk about, you know, Crystal being like, do you want to do a fast with me to Kyle as if that's like a normal thing to do? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, so I do think some of it also stems from how um, weird they are about what foods they With let food. into their yeah. bodies, too. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, Cece. Thank you so much for joining. This has been of such course. a joy. Tell everyone yeah. where they can find your Instagram page and if there's anything mm-hmm. else you want to plug. Currently, because I am working on something, but that's not live yet. So let me just plug my Insta. You can find me at cc.loves.u where I post daily content. I try to create fun polls and clips, videos, throwbacks, whatever people want. I try to give it to them. Bravo related, not like <laughs> <laughs> that sounded a bit porny. You're like, ooh, whatever you want. Ooh, not that. I'm not on OnlyFans. Maybe if this doesn't work out, I'll join OnlyFans, but for now, not only Bravo. Bravo. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And we have thank to you have for having you me. on again. You are just such a delight. Yes, please. Thank you. I would love to. 